And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. I wonder if we can create a tune just with Lance doing that scream in diff- different notes and tones. Ah, 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 just bring it all ah, together. Oh, ah, ah, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. Financial Fitness Friday. Danny Ratliff has converted into a dude with hair. <laughs> And taller, <laughs> and thinner, and younger. Must be the coffee he's drinking. I don't know what that I'm drinking. John Penn Barrymore, CFP. Good morning. Is here with us this morning. Uh, appreciate him filling in while Mr. Ratliff is doing whatever he's doing. We shall pick on him next week. But we really appreciate you being here. This week flew by real fast. Dow futures up 67 points. Um, obviously, everybody's very nervous about the big job report today, where good news is very bad news. We need to see this, uh, need to see this job market cool off a bit, John. John, you're fired. <laughs> That's it. Uh, no, okay, well, hey, see you later. It's been fun. Now. You know, just just because, you know, we have to talk about the P word for the Fed, which Mm -hmm. is uh, the pivot. But, you know, there's some good news coming, folks, because over 50 percent of CEOs say they're considering cutting jobs over the next six months. And remote workers may be the first to go. There's Microsoft uh, researchers. This is from a Market Watch article I found pretty fascinating. uh, Warned of productivity paranoia among managers about their hybrid Workforce. That's like when Connie calls me at home and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> are you working? I'm working, yeah. I promise. Okay. Three minutes later, it's me again. <laughs> are you working? Yeah. So, so here's what's going to happen. Nine in 10 CEOs in the United States believe a recession is going to arrive in the coming 12 months, while 86% of CEOs globally feel the same way. That's from the international tax, uh, from an international tax and audit firm. Um, so here's, and you know, Stanley Druckenmiller's been out there beating on it. This is a study from KPMG that, uh, that looks at business leaders' outlooks. So, um, so they're thinking that, you know, listen, we're going to have to, extremely likely that uh, they're saying in this study, they're going to have to lay off remote workers first. According to a majority, 60% of 3,000 managers by, uh, polled by uh, Beautiful.ai, that's a software presentation uh, company, Another 20% were undecided, and the remaining 20% said it wasn't likely. <clears throat> so I don't know if that's really fair. Uh, I mean, CEOs are definitely more into, John, in-person work, right? So two-thirds, 65% said in-office work was the ideal, while 28% said hybrid would be the way. And 7% said fully remote, so nobody's on that train. Yeah, I, <clears throat> but this is the way of the world, John. I mean, I don't think Gen Z and even some of the younger millennials are going to work any other way. And frankly, listen, we have a hybrid schedule in our office, right? Um, we're all adults. We all do our work. We're working all the. We work a lot. So <laughs> probably work honestly. You know, probably work more, right? 
I well, mean, the I... thing is, here's the thing. Is, here's my schedule. I get up at 3.30 in the morning, right? Uh, you know, the dogs are up with me for a little bit, and they go out. I make coffee. I come in. And right away, I'm on my work computer at about 10 after 4, mm-hmm. right? And I'm already writing, working, answering emails. Um, and I'm like, I mean, I think the day before yesterday, I stopped around 8 o'clock. It was my home day, and I started around 4.30. I'm like, holy crap, this. Yeah, so, so I mean, the, I don't know. Maybe it goes like it swings a pendulum where people are either working too much and they don't know where to set the barrier at home or they're not doing anything. I don't really know. But either way, CEOs are paranoid about it. So they might say, hey, you might be the first ones to go unless you're going to come into the office. And there's also been studies that if you're a hybrid worker mostly that you may not get wage growth at the same level. This is a study out of the Fed. So uh, we're all trying to deal with this, but the layoffs are coming. Yes. It's just taking longer because because of where we are post-pandemic, right? Labor force participation rate stinks. Um, uh, and right right now, uh, there's been some studies that how, how workers are really getting pay cuts. And that's because there's no way wages are going to keep up or real wages with the price of goods. Yeah. And I wrote this in a piece, John, like, during the pandemic, that I was really worried that energy prices were, would remain stubbornly sticky because of our own policies and that food prices would as well. And I think that it's going to be tougher for the Fed to break this fever. And now a lot of the terminology we've been using, like the Fed's going to have to break something to fix something, um, I, I think it's true, and I think they're going to stay ahead. So this jobs report, the market's sort of quiet before it, this is one that's going to be big. And even if the numbers have cooled off, the market will like it. So it's going to be very important to see how this plays out. Yeah. A, lot, a lot is riding on this for at least how the market finishes up this week. What do yeah, you think? I think so, too. And you know, I, I haven't heard much chatter uh, from the folks that I've been visiting with lately about fear of their employment moving mm-hmm. forward. But there was one. About two weeks ago, uh, a lady in her uh, in her late fifties, and she's been with the same employer for nineteen years. And she told me up to this point, she has never felt insecure about her role. Now she is completely hybrid, completely working remotely. Remote remote work, okay. And and the the company that she's working with is now starting to announce that they will start layoffs. Uh huh. So she's not concerned about her job right now. It's six months from now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, so many dynamics. You're also seeing that how many people that retired during the recession realized, oops, I went a little bit too fast. And I wrote a piece uh, about three or four months ago called The Great Unretirement, <clears throat> how I thought maybe older workers would be coming back into, into the workforce. Um, um, and it makes sense. I think in some ways this will kill a lot of what we call ageism, where if you're 60-plus, forget it, you're not going to get a job. Um, I think we are finding out that older workers work. Oh. And older workers are dependable, right? I mean, like Karen here was in our office, right? She's over 70 years old. I mean. She has more energy than I do. I mean, (laughs) she teaches Pilates. (laughs) I mean, listen, age is one thing. Mental capacity is another. You could have, say, say, presidents that are 80 or plus. I mean, we deal with people who are 80, 83 years old, and they're sharp as ever. And they're in good shape. I mean, this is not this is not your grandpa's aging society here. 
it, for it's the most not. part. So I think older workers have a lot to bring to the table, and I think that you're going to see this great unwind, especially as maybe we let remote work. Because if we let remote workers go, say that's that KPMG, and they're pretty good source, say that's correct, and some of the other companies, then you got to think about who would we hire back. And I think it's older workers. Well, that get hired. They back. have a little more experience. They know how to fix things when things go broke. Well, and, they, but they show up, and they show up, and they're reliable. I'm, there's a gentleman. He's 76. I don't that think I'm they're quiet with, quitting, and he doesn't I, want to stop. Yeah, I don't think they're quiet yeah. quitting. I don't even like that term, quiet quitting. Yeah. It sort of bothers me. I, told, I called my Haley the other day. My daughter said, "Are you quiet quitting?" She goes, "Dad, I don't even know what you're talking about." Good. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> Hung up. Hey, we get back. We're going to talk about how terrible it is for the housing market. Uh, how tough it is. A lot of our YouTubers and listeners know this, but we want to share some numbers with you that might be interesting. And there are some post-pandemic homebuyer regrets, which we thought would be coming too. Here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Let's go, girls. What do women want when it comes to finances? Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special ladies' edition lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon. Get the most out of your Social Security benefits. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies' lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday. October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. We've got a surprise for you next segment. Oh, yeah, baby. Social Security is sexy. Did, did Barry White just come in here? Yeah. What was that? Man, I love Barry White. Barry White, right? Uh, Bill Withers, uh, Marvin Gaye, Al Green. Mm. Al Green, yeah. Oh, man. Some of the best music out there. But Brent's took a spin on this with our next Lunch and Learn that I think you're going to get a kick out of. What women need from Social Security, baby. Getting the most out of Social Security benefits. This is our next Lunch and Learn, Thursday, October 20th, 12 p.m. It's our virtual free live Zoom webinar. Register at Real Investment Advice. And why are we talking about this? Because women live longer. Men sometimes make bonehead decisions about when to take their benefits, and they wind up cutting the survivor benefit. So this is how women can get the most out of Social Security, how to understand the importance of Social Security, how to coach their higher-earning spouses not to take their benefits early. I'm going to get everything out of it that I can. So we want women to be smart about this. My gosh, we've got a lot of people on our YouTube from all over the place. Japan, Lakeland, Florida, a bunker somewhere out in upstate New York. <laughs> England, England, Europe, England. Yeah. Damn, I well, I love to hear my England people. Is it time for tea? Where's my pen? My pen does not work. I cannot find a damn pen that works to sign this bill. That's sort of like Alabama in England. I I gotta work on my 
I only, this is the only impression I really have that works. Johnny Yellen. Oh, boy, when I was John was my pool boy. Oh, boy. Boy, rates are going higher around here. Let me tell you. Woo. So, uh, yeah, so, um, so listen, housing. Housing is Zurich. Wow. We're everywhere today. Um, I will tell you, we knew this was going to happen. There was this massive frenzy during the pandemic for people to buy homes. They were, they didn't, uh, they didn't take on what uh, anything to do with inspection. Oh no, it was no uh, inspection. Take it or leave it. Give me a bid, or the house is going to be gone by the end of the day. Listen, I don't understand the fever. Yeah. About around a big purchase like this. Yeah, I understand it. Like when I was a kid, I had to have the Planet of the Apes trading cards, right, or whatever it is. I get for small things, but for big things, life decisions. People jumping into homes that... Do you ever see some of the pictures of some of these houses, John? They look like they were falling apart. You don't know what you're getting. Even real estate uh, professionals are like, listen, you're going to buy a house without an inspection? It, it doesn't make any sense. Well, here's what's happening. Uh, there's a great article about this, but uh, there's a story about, I just can't wait to get out. Nearly three quarters of pandemic home buyers have regrets. Uh, you mean uh, uh, the air conditioner doesn't work? I don't have a garage. I have to park in the street. I mean, you're talking about. Yeah, what do you mean my roof needs to be replaced? Right. So That's these a, fixer-uppers yeah. that were purchased were made offers without even seeing the properties. It just shows you the lizard brain when it comes to investing is live and well. No matter whatever happens with cycles and how they change or how they look a little different at times, fear and greed never go away. The primal elements of who we are, it doesn't even matter what the purchase is. It's crypto, a house. I mean, you got to take a step back and look at rules, right? We know millions of Americans are, and this is from housemethod.com, are being priced out of the housing market. Mm -hmm. 70% of Americans cannot currently afford to buy a home. Out of 48 out of 50 states, Americans spend more than a third of their monthly income on housing. Frankly, I know it's even more. Only two states, Alabama and Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. adhere to the 28% rule for debt-to-income ratio. Right? I will tell you, this 28% rule is also a bunch of crap. We have our own financial guardrails, and we say that a mortgage should not be more than, we, we have a 20% rule. Let's put it that way. We have a 20% rule, and if you're less than that, and these are from people that have been buying homes and have built wealth for years. I put these financial guardrails together. If you go to Real Investment Advice, type in financial guardrails about any debt you're looking to take on. It's tougher. But these rules, John, I will tell you, prevented a lot of the younger people we work with or, their ki- or the kids in the practice that I talk to, the Gen Zs, from rushing out and buying a home during the pandemic. I want to tell you how many calls I've gotten saying thank you for telling me to wait. Because guess what? I was working remote, but my boss says now I have to come in. Oh, we were thinking about moving here, but we don't think about doing that anymore. You cannot make these decisions emotionally yes you can get emotion you know listen i want to move too but we we get emotion when we look at a house and say oh my gosh if i had the money i'd buy that house and you got to step back and look at these rules yeah and uh, kudos to a lot of the folks that we were visiting with rich to your point um 
you know, they were able to take a step back and really look at the situation. And now they had, you know, cash and savings. They'd worked very hard to have money to put down on a property, but they weren't going to get into a bidding war on uh, on this. They just weren't going to get in the frenzy. And now, at least with the Federal Reserve raising short-term interest rates, their cash is earning higher yields right. and some short-term cash alternatives like CDs, even short-term treasuries. Listen, if you're so a saver, you're a kid in a candy store yeah. right now. I'm not saying that the, these, these, these investments with cash vehicles beat inflation. That's not the point. But you have a lot of people who are very conservative that had to push themselves into equities. Even though they should be invested for equities and look to beat inflation over time, they don't want to. But they were forced to, right? So you do have choices now. But people just went blind. <laughs> oh, you didn't check the plumbing? The house has got a big hump in the middle and it's not your husband? Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's just amazing what people went out and purchased emotionally during that period. I think it also go, pretends to what was going on at the time. I, I'm going to be kind about this only because to close an entire economy for this thing was the most ridiculous, craziest, stupidest decision we ever made. And we're going to pay for that. In school, we're going to pay for that for the kids. There are a couple of generations behind, at least, in education. We're seeing how kids are failing, right? Mental capacities, uh, mental issues, suicide, drug abuse. Listen, we didn't make a good decision globally. Just communication. So I think our whole mindset was not clear, John. Yeah. So I'm going, to, I'm going to chalk up some of it to that. But thankfully... If you had a good advisor that could step in or you reached out and asked the question and we helped you think critically about the situation, you are going to have a chance to purchase a home. This can this is not sustainable. Yeah, because the housing affordability index is in. I've never seen it where it is. It's actually in the history of the of the index. It's never been where it is right now. So be. Last year, I used the word, one word. I want to buy this. I want to buy it. And I had one word, John, and then I would shut up to see what kind of response I get. Wait. Wait. But what about wait? They got wait. 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 So it's like, it's like Lance's grunts in the beginning. <laughs> wait. <laughs> I still say wait. Do your homework. This is a big purchase. Yeah, this, there, is, this is this is this is a this is a big deal. It is a big deal. There are a lot of folks that I've been visiting with lately. They just decided to to rent for a little while longer and give themselves some additional flexibility. They're waiting for this froth. You know, hopefully, some of this froth comes out of the house. Listen, market, it's already happening, right? And we're starting to see it. Lawrence, you the he's the chief uh, the economist for the National Association of Realtors. Says we are in a housing recession. If you spend time looking at houses, I, I look throughout Houston, I look at different zip codes, I'm seeing houses sit on the market longer. Sellers are finally cutting their prices. Now, we'll tell you, sellers have what we call, just as part of your primal brain, endowment bias. Oh, I can still get the prices I, were, I was getting before. I can still get those big high prices because my house is great. It's better than every other house on the block. It doesn't work that way. So then sellers are finally having to look at either, you know, taking their prices down, going, it's not selling. Mm -hmm. Nobody's looking. Um, this is going to continue as 30-year fixed rates hit north of 7%. Yes, you can tell me historically you understand that 7% is still cheap because 
you know, you walk to school two miles in the snow with no shoes to get to school. I get that. I, I mean, I get all that. But, but today's generation of buyers, I don't want to hear it. 7% is high. It is high. You know, our our it, oldest daughter uh-huh. had an internship over the summer in July at a home mortgage trust company. Oh, okay. And uh, for the whole month, they had five applications. And what was it before? Oh, they were so busy a year ago, they, could, they didn't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> there were days where she would take a book in there, and she was trying to learn as much as she could, and she uh-huh. got her hands on some things. Uh-huh. Uh, but she took in a 400-page book and read 370 pages <laughs> in one day. And that was in July, right? It just shows you how rapidly. Listen, a lot of data is so backwards-looking. A lot of the, what the Fed has done, probably the Fed's already broken something. We just don't know it yet. Okay, we don't know it yet because of all the, the lag in the data that we receive for many metrics in the economy. So, um, yeah, your price will come to you. With the Fed sort of pulling away, we'll see cycles again. I know that's weird, but we'll start to see price discovery, the, the fog around that clear up, right? The malinvestments start to dry up. That's only until, again, we go through back into the soup, John, right? where we're going to have to look at uh, uh, quantitative easing Mm -hmm. and lowering rates. uh, And we're going to go back to that again. It's just a matter of time. So listen, when it comes to markets, as we always talk about, the 4% rule is sort of stinky. Never works, even though that gets touted. Now we've got some recent research, Mm -hmm. additional research that proves that Going forward, 4% withdrawal rule out of your portfolio for retirement income. You may run out of money be a little before lofty. you run out of you. We get back. Financial Fitness Friday. Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Let's go, girls. What do women want when it comes to finances? Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special ladies' edition lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon. Get the most out of your Social Security benefits. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies' lunch and learn. What women need from Social Security Thursday, October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. So, uh, Tuttle Capital Management, they, um, a lot of you probably heard of the exchange traded fund that bets against Kathy Wood's stock picks are now coming out with a really cool ETF. The inverse Kramer ETF. <laughs> the tickle, the tickle. The ticker is... It tickles. S-Jim. S-J-I-M. Short Jim, I think that stands for. So that's a filing with the SEC. 
So it's going to provide the investment uh, results that are approximately the opposite of Kramer's investment recommendations. One of the uh, one of the funniest jokes we have is we watch the Kramer indicator. If Kramer's saying to go back into the market and we hit a bottom, we know we're not done yet. So now there's an ETF <laughs> that's going to come out that is going to do it. So and I listen. I like Jim Kramer. I like Mad Money. I think he's funny. Um, and I, one of his uh, his first book on Wall Street was one of the best books I really ever read. From there, I thought the book sort of got there okay. But that first book he wrote um, when he first started and what he went through, you know, sort of his trials and tribulations on the street, I thought was, was a fascinating book. So this is going to be funny <laughs> to watch. <laughs> the Inverse Kramer ETF. Coming soon from Tuttle Capital Management. So we got and we have this lunch and learn coming up. What women need to know about Social Security, man. We cut a very special ad. All I want to tell you is, ladies, if you're listening, John Penn will call you later. <laughs> no, kidding. <laughs> John free. Penn is very happily married. <laughs> Toll free. He'll be one of those bots on our YouTube that has to get cut. So here it is for your listening enjoyment. Let's go, girls. Yeah, baby. We really got it going. Mm-hmm. I want to show you. I know what you want. My social security. Yeah. I'm going to show you how, baby. Yeah. Going to give it all to you. Yeah, baby. Going to lunch and learn you. Mm-hmm, baby. Get your name <laughs> in the hat. Yeah, baby. Realinvestmentadvice.com. I love this place. <laughs> That's all I got to say. John, isn't it's this fantastic? A, isn't this a funner place? So good. And you've worked before. So good. John and I have been working together a long time. We started at Schwab <laughs> together. <laughs> and he was leaving his old firm. He called me and I said, we got to get Mr. Penn in here. <laughs> and now he's like, I don't know if that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and we work hard. We got to have a little Absolutely fun. Absolutely. We do. Absolutely. But you got to have fun too, but it's all the right kind of fun. It's the right kind of fun. Yeah. We're about education, everybody. Social Security, Medicare. I always say is we, we, we not only, uh, we don't avoid the financial dust bunnies. We look for them. We want to go where a lot of advisors don't go. And a lot of places we go is usually about how the 4% rule is full of crap. I wrote it in my book in 2012, but now there's a new page. And Lance has written about it. I've written about it over the last five to seven years. But now there's a new paper that argues the historical record of asset class performance in the U.S. to develop the 4% rule offers a poor reflection of future returns. Now, in 2000, early 2000, late 2018, 2019, and John knows this, in our financial planning software, we revise forward returns for every asset class. And unfortunately, we took them down. Mm -hmm. And I, every time I do this, <clears throat> first time I did it really was in 2003, helping people understand that future returns might be less. And then in 2010, I thought future returns would be higher. Now I'm in this, you know, headwind for future returns. But it seems like, John, that might, you know, I'm always like three to four years late. But it seems like, again, we have to work off these valuations. We're going to have to understand stocks are expensive you might be taking more risk for the return. Now, if I am an accumulator, 
like Mr. Penn and Mr. Ratliff and some of you out there. Um, it's frustrating to invest because I may not get the returns I want, but then eventually a tailwind comes around again and I, and I benefit. If I'm a retiree, I've been really concerned about people who have retired in around 2019, 2020 and so, because I'm worried about these future returns and this 4% rule. So a retired couple, they show in this paper, willing to bear a theoretical 5% ruin probability may withdraw only 2.26% rate of return. This 4% rule of thumb is possibly the most dangerous I've ever seen. And I just met with someone two days ago who said to me, yeah, my advisor says I can take out 4%. It's, it's still so common. Now, I will tell you, <laughs> Wade Fow, who I really respect, he's sort of a financial academic, he's been voicing his concern about the reliability of the rule in this current market environment. Okay? The very low inflation seen in recent years was a savings grace behind this rule of thumb because it allowed for a higher sustainable spending rate. Listen, I have people that have been in retirement mode, and John knows these clients that are here now for over 20 years. And their portfolios have, even though they withdraw, their portfolios have held up really well. We've had this great tailwind. Plus, they're very good at managing their expenses. So this paper by the researchers at the University of Arizona, Missouri, offer this up this new safe withdrawal figure, and it is substantially lower. So 2.26% here. So here's the thing, John. We always say this. Taking a fixed return from variable assets on the surface seems sounds ludicrous. I have a portfolio that goes up and down all the time, but I'm going to take 4% consistently. That makes absolutely no sense unless I consider cycles. There are cycles where I could take 4%. There are cycles I could take 6 Sure. I've had clients in, like I, in 2010, I was like, listen, you want to, you want to, you want to do something here? You want to expand your financial bandwidth? You're going to have a time to do it. You're going to have a time to do it. But there's going to be a time where it's going to change. But now these retirees are in the older spending cycle. They're in what we call this middle range where they're not really, they're in good health, but you know, they're just not spending as much until medical expenses kick in and they're on the other side. We call that the smile, retirement smile, right? I spend a lot when I'm actively retired, then I spend less and I sort of fall into this equilibrium and then I, my expenses start to increase because as I age. What a cruel joke this 4% withdrawal rule happens to be if all my assets are in variable assets. Imagine telling a client now, John, that, that have, they, don't, they haven't taken Social Security properly. Maybe they don't have some other form of guaranteed income. You're now going to go ahead and tell them, guess what? You're going to have to take a big haircut mm -hmm. this year. Now, you have a lot of people that when they're in variable asset portfolios are more sensitive to withdrawal rates. Right, because listen, if I had a million dollars, and now I have eight hundred thousand dollars, and this is my first year in retirement, I don't know about you, John, but I'm not going to take four percent or five percent of the eight hundred thousand because I'm worried. Yeah, you've already had, I've already, you've already I, seen I, I, it decline, and then you're amplifying it by it taking out. It means nothing to yeah. me that. Stocks always go up in the long term, mm -hmm. you know, Sonny. <laughs> they do. Okay, when I'm withdrawing money. 
I'm, 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 I'm doubly beating up on my principal and my capital, and I can't make it back. So it's very important to understand if I have to turn around and tell you, you took 4% last year, now you're going to take 2 You know, for people who retired, that's distressing because now I have to do what? I still have this, 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 this lifestyle. Now you're asking me to take this huge cut, and I already lost money. So what do I do, John? I've got holes in this plan, right? Especially if I'm 2.26% going forward. How in heck am I going to meet my income goal? Mm-hmm. The on, you know, again, we're t- the, the financial media and their brokers they were, oh, been told, been telling clients, withdraw this fixed 4% from variable asset. It's like telling you, hey, John, you know what? I think I can do, I think I can mix oil and water. This is what I call the uncertainty meets uncertainty variable, not the 4% rule. So now I got 2.26%, John. What do I do? Help me, John. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. Yeah. Well, and you, you were talking about the 4, 4% rule being so commonplace today. Well, it's still very commonplace when we visit with folks that are maybe working with other advisors, mm-hmm. it's always, hey, you know what, Rich, over time, your markets usually give you 8 to 10% a year. Because so that's an accumulation, right? Yeah, so I'm placing on that making f- you moving forward. Well, I'm placing an accumulation mindset in your distribution head. Right. Um, I just, I wrote, if you go to um, our sister site, raaadvisors.com, you're going to see guides. Actually, you can get to the guides from realinvestmentadvice.com too under insights. I just wrote an 11-page How to Maximize Retirement Income Guide that's free to you if you sign up. And I compare Tim the Toolman Taylor to Wilson. All the financial advice out there is designed for Tim, the young man with a wife and three young kids, not Wilson over the other side of the fence, who's got totally different goals than the toolman family, right, John? So you can't apply this advice the same way. So to your point, yes, I want my stocks to come back, but that's not helping me with what the lifeblood of my retirement. That's right. Cash flow. This is something we'll continue when we get back. Hey, the Wizard of Oz is 83 years old. Today, if Dorothy were to encounter men with no brains, no heart, and no courage, she wouldn't be in Oz. She'd be in Congress. True story. Come on, man. We'll be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Let's go, girls. What do women want when it comes to finances? Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special ladies' edition lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon. Get the most out of your Social Security benefits. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies' lunch and learn. What women need from Social Security. Thursday. October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
Let me be clear. Let me be clear about this. I am not a crook. Unless I am promoting the 4% rule. You cannot withdraw an indefinite same fixed percentage from your portfolio throughout retirement. I cannot tell you with complete confidence that a variable portfolio can provide the same fixed withdrawal rate over a lifetime. If I did, I'd be lying. Or at the least, I'm going to depend, I'm going to depend on this stale academic study that is older than most of our adult children. It's not to say there aren't times where it won't work. So when William Bengen did this study in the 90s, he had the best intentions. I'm not faulting the writer of the study because I think the study was a good study. It's how we bastardized the study in financial services to throw you into stock portfolios so Wall Street can make more money. That's what I'm pissed off at. Cycles change, variable asset portfolio withdrawals must change. I can fill those holes though. I can make it easier on my variable asset portfolio where if I take 2.26%, because I do believe this study is correct for this next cycle, I have a couple of ways I could do it. Three ways I could do it. I can work longer. Mm -hmm. I could go back to work. Now, I do have people that, we have clients that do go back to work. That little bit of cash flow, I don't care if they're working at Bucky's, I don't care if they're working at Dunkin' Donuts, I don't care if they're working at Home Depot, slowing the withdrawal rate or filling in the gap will be very helpful to your financial plan. People do it to remain social. They may not need the money, but it, the, cycle, the psychology of having that money coming in and withdrawing less from your portfolio means so much for you mentally so I can work longer go back to work to fill in the holes I can be smart with my social security I can take it later I can get the most out of it I think John the cost of living adjustment for next year is going to be close to nine percent yeah right so I could do that I'm making sure I'm maximizing my benefit with me and my spouse now if I have a pension I'm MVU. I might have to create a guaranteed income stream to take over. Because no matter what, that check's coming in. And if I have a, a if I have a guaranteed income cash flow uh, environment, if I have some of that coming in, I can allow my variable portfolio to heal and take less. Or I have a permanent life insurance policy. And I can, yeah, about a couple of weeks ago, John, I worked with someone to say they have a permanent life insurance policy. They have a huge death um, cash value. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I want you to take less out of your variable asset portfolio. We're going to fill in the holes. We're going to be very surgical here. We're going to draw out some money from this, which will be tax-free, by the way until this portfolio heals so we're gonna so this withdrawal rate is a balancing act based on your cycles it's not this blind fixed withdrawal same percentage year in year out depending on the cycle that the market's in thanks to the fed we've been in one long bull cycle which might change now although the jury's out 
eventually the Fed has to do something to bail something out. But that's how you have to look at it. So guaranteed income, right? It yeah. could be a way to do it. And it doesn't mean that you put all your money into guaranteed income or annuities or lifetime income product. It means that you take a sliver based on a financial plan that says if you do this, it increases the longevity of your portfolio. Yeah, even... It's longevity, <laughs> risk insurance. That's right. As well as Social Security. Yeah. It's a longevity risk asset. It's not a break-even asset. I got to get everything out of it. <laughs> I ever tell you the story, John? I had someone that said, who gave me one of the best reasons to take Social Security early and I almost said, you know, I think I like this idea. He goes, I want to take it at 62 when I can have fun and I have all this discretionary money. And I'm like, huh, shoot, that makes sense. But what if I live? Because I'm not going to live long. I'm amazed by how many people who know that when they're exactly they're going to die. Yeah, what if you they live got, into your late they 90s? They got this magical <clears throat> death ball, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm gone at 70, man. Uh, oh, uh, so I'm taking it early. All right. How do you know? What, to John's point, what if you live longer? Mm-hmm. I would rather have more cash flow coming in when someone has to wipe the Cheerios off my lip when my face falls into, my, into the bowl. Right? And that's when I want more cash flow is when I can't generate my own cash flow or I'm not working. Right? So, but there are periods where Social Security is not going to be as good or be as important or how you claim when I'm in a major bull cycle. This time, through this period, it's going to be important. What do you think? What about a reverse mortgage? Is that a possible that, solution yeah. too? Talk about that. That's a great Yeah, idea. I mean, so you know, you know, where you could... I mean, look. Let's face it. You know, many or many homeowners. That's you know, that's where your equity is. It's in your home, so you could apply for you know, if you're over sixty-two. There's certain you know um, qualifying factors that have to, have to be in place for you to be able to apply for a reverse mortgage. Um, but in the past, reverse mortgages really kind of got a bad rap, and a lot's changed. Uh, but it's, you can you can basically have an equity line, like a reverse mortgage, you know, equity line for your home. You can just let it grow along with the value of the home. But John, you know, reverse mortgages have gotten a bad to. rap in the past because one, they were expensive. They were. Two, they were predatory. And but three, you also got to look at the people who took it out. It's almost like people that took out home equity lines of credit. They spent the money on vacations right. and all this other stuff when it really should be a way to either one supplement your cash flow in retirement or. Say, for example, maybe supplement long-term care expenses. I love the uh, authors of this study. They're so much more diplomatic than I am. <clears throat> Here's what they wrote. Researchers said, 4% rule is a leading example of the divergence between finance theory and practice, especially in its lack of consideration of income insurance pos- opportunities purchased via annuities. Yes, because they want to put you in product. That's all stocks, because stocks are the answer to everything. You know, I got this pain in my back, John. Stocks. Yeah, have equ- uh, you get know, some equities. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Stocks are not the answer to every question. That is not the holistic approach of how you look at your money, nor it's how a fiduciary looks at your situation. So if you have a variable asset portfolio and you're withdrawing right now, you have to think about what you're going to do next year based on the damage this year. The 60-40 portfolios had the worst performance since I think the 30s, mm-hmm. and at least as long as I've been in this business. And I would, if I was, again, I was a first-year retiree, John, 
I would have a very tough time withdrawing anything <laughs> from my variable asset portfolio. Well, there have been a lot of folks that wanted to retire this year or had the intent of retiring and, and this year, and they said, you know, we're just going to work a little while longer. But we you, may work through 2022. And you know what's cool about this, I will tell you? I've had the same conversations you've had. I say your plan still works. This is in your control. I agree with your decision because if it were me, I would do it. But you don't have to. And what a cool way to go into this. Right. That's what a financial plan does. Our financial plans right now, and I'm going to blow the horn just a little bit, they are uninterrupted. Their uh, success probabilities have not changed through this turmoil. Part of it is because of the way Lance manages these portfolios. We're not taking anywhere near the brunt of the downside of overall markets compared to models. But most important is we have been preparing clients for rough returns like this for a while and, and sort of fit their lifestyle into this, this, this assumption we've, we've made based on math. And now, I'm like, Rich, I don't have to slow down my spending? Well, I, I don't understand. Well, your probabilities of success are still 99, 98, 97%. What a good feeling. I would rather have that conversation with you than say, John, before this derail, your plan was at 99% success. You're down to 60. Uh, something's got to change. Mm -hmm. I don't want this conversation. Some, because some what, give and take, right? what a lot of planners do is they take the financial planning software out of the box and they don't tweak it. They don't study inflation. They don't study future returns. They just take whatever the program is and nothing against the program. I think Harold Davinsky and the people who work on, this per, on, on our software is, are really, really great. But they're using a lot of historical returns, and even their future returns are not dire enough. So you've got to be an academic and study this stuff so that you can input it properly and share the most realistic information you can. And how many people tell you, John, thank you, Rich. Thank you, John, for giving me... It's not, it's, not a, it's not negative. It's not Grim Reaper. It's just what it is. Well, it's realistic. When, the, when it changes... So say, for example, we go down to valuations that we had in 2009. I would have to go in and revise those forward returns higher, which means now we might be going in through a tailwind cycle. Just when stocks look like the worst place to be. That's our job. That's our job. That's what your financial advisor's job is there to do. Yeah, Provide real information to you yeah. so you can make practical, real decisions, not just blow happy returns up your um, coffee hole. Yeah, realistic, forward-looking assumptions. You got it? I like the way you, you know John could be a candidate for president. I'd vote for him. There's not enough money in the world. <laughs> $31 trillion in debt, John Penn. What do you think? Isn't that nice? First time in history? I don't know if I'd want to walk into that one. <laughs> Who the heck would? Nope. Who the heck would? Well, listen, we got to go. Thanks for being with us. See you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. We love you all over the world. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for putting up with me. We appreciate it. Take care.